I'm Michelle Ely from the Starling Tribune, an Arrow TV show fan podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Stoke the fires, and welcome to episode 164 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we go into full podcast protection mode. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we discuss the biggest problem that podcasters have and give our take on that. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, Stephen has a bit of a rant about when there's just too much podback. Lauren, start the show now, because I need to rant about my bad podback. Welcome to Better Podcasting a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew, and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 167 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and of course I have with me Stargate Pioneer. I am so excited to podcast. I kept the same clothes on from last week. Let's just get her on, Stephen. You do that. You've done that a couple times over the last few episodes. Uh, We are here to talk about podcasting from a hobby podcasting perspective. And one of the ways we like to do that is say it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have things go wrong. And we want you to tell us what happened and tell us how exactly have you saved your podcast. So this is how we always start our first show is with either a how I saved my podcast story or a how I could have saved my podcast story. Ideally, we have you send us a story of something that went wrong and you tell us how you fixed that so that we can share with everybody and everybody can learn together. But when we don't have one of those in lieu of that, we do reach out to the intersphere and dig up a story that we call a how I could have saved my podcast story. And SP, what do we have today? We have a little bit of advice. Literally, that is the title of this post from podcast subreddit. It's titled, here's a little bit of advice. The chemistry that you have between you and your friends on your podcast does not necessarily translate to being enjoyable for a podcast audience. That's the title, folks, right there. That could be just the advice, but that's the title. This was posted by F-I-D-E-L, so Fidel underscore cash flow and cash flows with a zero in it so fidel cash flow i see what happened there yeah there you go so quote fidel says quote i see a lot of people on here promoting their own podcasts and i try to give as many of them a listen as possible occasionally i'll find a well thought out and well produced podcast but the vast majority are not great for one of two reasons number one is that the podcast is themed around an already saturated topic such as nerd and geek culture, and there being absolutely no distinguishing features about your nerd and geek culture podcast versus the rest of them. The second one that irks me the most is complete disregard for the podcast audience. What I mean by that is feeling like you and four of your buddies can just hop on the mic and shoot the stuff while everything is translating well to an audience that is just hearing you for perhaps the first time and knows nothing about you and your inside jokes with your friends. Almost nobody wants to hear a 35-minute story about what you were doing before you got to the recording location. Please, for the love of God, try to avoid physical comedy in your podcast. That's actually happened a few times, where somebody is doing something that is making everybody in the studio die of laughter for and for five seconds, the audience is wondering what is going on until somebody in between bouts of laughter tries to explain what is going on in the studio. Try to avoid you had to be their stories too. Please I understand that humor is completely subjective, but please try to remember that there are people who don't know you or your friends and are not in the studio with you are not going to be consuming your podcast. 
for the love of God, take your audience into consideration, unquote. Totally. And we've talked about it on the show before. We have a video podcast and we do consider the video viewers, which is why SP and I black out our face every single episode. We have one of those big, you know, circles over our face there. You know, those pixelation circles that you see on cops and stuff. We make sure that we do censor ourselves so that people don't have to see our face. Yeah, it's totally not what we do, but I know what you're talking about because I was at the gym yesterday and I was watching the wildlife guys that were doing it in Washington State. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's okay for when you're on the treadmill, but I don't want to see a podcast like that. And I don't want to see a podcast with any of this stuff in there as well. We talked about it plenty of times here, but folks, this is from supposedly, I think, a listener, a listener asking for people to do something for their audience or not do something for their audience in this case. And it's just not us saying this. It's just not us in a vacuum going, oh, we want podcasts to be this way. This is from a listener saying, for the love of God, don't do it this way. This is what I was talking about last week where I say that listeners do notice some things. And this is a really, really, really good example of that. And I think a lot of people are going to see here that podcasting is also going to evolve with what the listeners are hearing. We've actually done a whole show dedicated to it. And before, when podcasting was new, you had people who were relatively geeky and they didn't know anything. They didn't know about quality. They didn't know what to expect. They came into it. So they listened and they listened graciously. Now you have people coming into podcasting and hearing big production podcasts first, going over to your podcast. So they might actually be hearing some of these things and might be getting put off by some of these things that you weren't put off with at the beginning of your podcast listening endeavors because the audience has changed. There are now more mainstream reach. And so people are going to come over here that lots of money produced podcast and then come hear your laughter in a room and go, this is garbage. Turn it off. So absolutely. And also, especially once people are become more and more aware of all of the different podcasts that you can get on the same topic, there'll be people who are just quicker to hop off to another show. So I think that this is a really, really great post. And if you are finding yourself doing this in your show, maybe you take a page from last week's episode and you set yourself a goal to remove one of these things because you should listen to your show from the listener perspective. I think that's great advice. All right. Well, if you have a How I Save My Podcast story, please do get in touch with us through any of the ways and you can always head on over to betterpodcasting.com. But let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment. Here we go. All right. This is a really, really, really fun episode um, because it was, again, inspired by a listener question. Now, we actually have a lot of listener inspired questions. This is something that does come up quite regularly because listeners will definitely ask us a question and we'll go, hey, that makes a really great topic. Let's go ahead and do that. Or sometimes listeners will just say, hey, can you do this topic? We have that come up all the time. Well, this time it's a little bit different because the listener that we're talking about doesn't actually know that they inspired this topic. In fact, this is the first time that we're telling them is right now. And it comes from none other than loyal listener, Johnny Pennington. In fact, this episode was based off of an email that we got from Johnny way back in February of 2018. Oh man, that was forever ago. Uh, by the way, we're recording this in January of 2019. So almost a year ago. Now, I've mentioned this before, but last year I had a piece of hardware failure. It was a Behringer MDX 4600, and I had to go ahead and send that in. If you want to hear the full story, email me. I'll gladly explain it to you. Well, guess what? I was looking at my equipment over the last couple of weeks and was thinking to myself, Stephen, you still haven't hooked up that 4600 again. And then it reminded me of an email that Johnny Pennington sent us. And we talked about the email after he sent it. And the moral of the story is he asked whether or not I had this go wrong because of the fact that I didn't have a power conditioner on my MDX 4600. Well, when I was thinking about that, it occurred to me, 
we haven't really talked a lot about investing in protecting your podcast setup. And there can be a lot of benefits to protecting your podcast setup. And we today are going to take the time to not only talk about protecting your podcast setup from a physical hardware perspective, but from some other, other manners that also impact your podcasting workflow. So today we're going to talk about this today, protecting your overall podcast setup. And we're going to kick it off with physical protection, right? This is more of the traditional manner, sort of the physical protection of your physical setup, right, SB? Yeah. First, let's talk about the obvious. You're going to protect yourself from dirty power. And the reality is why we all like to live in an area where power is super reliable and super clean. That's just not the case. And audio hardware in particular can be more susceptible to getting damaged by power issues. And this is why we recommend that you invest in hardware to protect your hardware. For example, Johnny mentioned a power conditioner. That is definitely one way to protect your audio equipment that's electrical. Now, a power conditioner is actually meant for audio hardware. You can also use it on like home theaters and it helps essentially even out the power signal to help condition the power signal coming in. So you don't get those spikes over sensitive electronic equipment that might actually pop a transistor resistor or something inside your gear. But a power conditioner is only useful if you have power. It doesn't help if the power goes out. And here's the thing, there's a lot of hardware that is going digital and believe it or not, this can be even more problematic if the power goes out because they're basically mini computers. And they're supposed to be a sequenced shutdown sequence or process on board that will step you through and it's not instantaneous. So if you don't have any battery backup and you instantaneously cut off the power, you could actually damage the hardware in the system and the software in the system could get kind of messed up and you might need to go back to an original firmware uh, installer or something like that in order to get it working. So for examples, now, Stephen, you have a Zoom L-Series mixer, and as we know from the Guinea Geek Gear YouTube channel, you've also unboxed a Rodecaster Pro. So why don't you step the listener through some of the sequencing that both of those equipments needs as it cycles power? Yeah, well, it's pretty much as simple as shutting off the switch, but what you notice is unlike an analog piece of hardware where you shut it off and all the lights go off, you see it take a second to shut down. The L12 takes actually a couple of seconds and it says goodbye on stuff. With the Rodecaster Pro, it's shorter, but it still does the same thing. And what that tells me is that in the background, there must be some software that it's essentially shutting down because if it wasn't needing to, it would just be a physical switch that toggles it off. So that actually is obviously a shutdown sequence in there. But the thing that's also important to remember is that if you're in the middle of a recording with something like this and the power goes out, you might lose the recording. SP's actually had this happen where the same, this has essentially happened with him with his H6. So one of the things that's happened with my Zoom H6 is I have just taken the SD card out before it has done stop recording. And I have a whole YouTube video on the Gunna Geek YouTube channel associated with how to hopefully get that material back and save the recording. And for the most part, when I've done that, I have actually saved the recording. There's been one time where Lorne has, my co-host on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., has had a similar issue happen. I've actually gotten the file and I have not been able to save it. Now, the same thing can happen if you lose power. For example, if you don't have any batteries in the Zoom H6 and the power goes out or the USB power cord that goes into the Zoom H6 gets pulled out or unplugged, then all of a sudden you're going to end up with the same exact issue. This is a bigger issue than you think because you might think, oh, it's no problem. I got the first 40 minutes of the file. We'll just record the next 20 minutes. You might not have that first 40 minutes of the file. And only after you go through a process of trying to recover that data will you know if you have it or not. So you, if you're in the middle of a big interview and you have to stop and figure out if you have that file or not, that might take a lot longer than the person has available and you might just lose the rest of their time. So there are consequences to doing this stuff. So if you have a battery backup, even if you have 
batteries in the H6 that could help. Now, I don't think the L12 is battery operable. No, and that's why we recommend having a battery backup on your podcast setup. And the thing that's important to note with a battery backup is that there are two different types of battery backups out there, two main ones. One is a pure sine wave battery backup. One is a simulated sine battery backup. And essentially what this affects is how the power is being inverted when it's being drawn from the battery in there. The cheaper battery backups, generally speaking, have the simulated sine wave battery or power signal. And this can cause some hardware not to function. And there are actually some new computers that um, power supplies over the last five to 10 years that if they detect that, they'll actually shut down as a protection method. So you might have a battery backup there, but they get this simulated sign signal and they actually shut off. Some of them, you know, will keep going and whatnot as well, and they're, they're okay to do that. But the thing that is important to note as well with your audio hardware is that audio hardware tends to be more sensitive. So you want to make sure that you have the best sort of power coming to that. And if you have the pure sine wave battery backup, that's going to be a cleaner signal. Now, I actually have a few different power conditioners, but the only ones that I, or power conditioners, battery backups, but the only ones that I put on my heart audio hardware is the pure sine wave battery backups. I actually have one that is simulated, but that's going elsewhere, and I, I don't want to shove it on the electronics. No, I have an older non-pure sine wave, and it is not in the office. I actually have two of them. They're on my home entertainment systems, and I'm okay if those shut down because those are kind of meant to take power hits. I mean, it's not great for them, but it, they can survive it because they're meant for a more robust power conditioning area. The ones that I have in the studio, they're pure sine wave. And honestly, even while we're recording, I've experienced minor brownouts and the battery backups have come in and they have kept that good power conditioning onto my system which really helps the audio components out. It also helps my router and my um, uh, modem out as well. And then I don't have to worry about any degradation in the system as I'm recording. Now, are these necessary in a normal home system? No, but since you are recording a podcast and you might be in a spot where you have irrecoverable audio being recorded, meaning it's a one-shot deal, one deal, you can't get this back whether it's audio gold between you and your co-host, or maybe that interview with that one great guest, you need to take protection of that because you never know when that's just going to fail. And it's going to bug you, by the way. It bugs me all the time. Steven, you've lost audio before, I'm sure. It's bugged you along the way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I am, have I have battery backups for this exact reason so that I don't have to have those situations where I do get the brownout and then it would usually shut off my mixer for a second or whatever. So I absolutely do agree with you on this. Now, while we're talking about battery backups, one thing that we want to mention and just hit home on is what SP just mentioned a minute ago is if you have something that can take batteries, it's a really good idea to use do the obvious and use the batteries where possible, like the Zoom H6 that he mentioned. You should definitely make sure you put good batteries in there and check them regularly and make them charge because you know, of course, don't want them to leak and corrode and wreck everything in your H6 like SP had, had happened last year. But it's really, really, really can definitely be a situation where it saves your recording because if you don't have a battery backup, but you have batteries in that H6, well, at least it'll keep running. When everything else shuts off, your recording will still be good and you can hit stop. I remember a couple of I think, Stephen, you've had this happen more than me, but I remember a couple of times where I'm recording and then boom, power goes out. And I've had those batteries in the Zoom H6. This is before I got the uh, this pure sine wave battery backup. And I was actually able to save the file to the point where it kept recording and my system came back up and I had to rebuild. It took a while. So I, I can't remember if I shut the recording off or not, but I do remember sitting here in a dark room going, oh, crap. And as the power came back on, frantically trying to get my system back up. Should you do that in all cases? No. And here's the reason why. If you don't have that battery backup onto your system and the power goes out, there is a high likelihood, and I don't know the exact percentage, that it's going to go right back out again. Like maybe you're in a storm and you have lightning hit a transformer 
and there's a backup transformer on your line. So it switches over to that. So you have a temporary cutout while that automatic switchover happens. You're down to one transformer. Well, if it's a high electrical storm or maybe even a high wind storm, the odds of that second line or that second transformer going are very high. And I'm sure you've all been in those situations where power has gone off there. So if power goes off, you have to make the decision on whether you want to bring your gear back or not. I would tend to be safe and try to contact your co-hosts if you're recording with co-hosts or guests over a text message or a DM or something like that and say, you know, maybe we need to reschedule or something like that. But if it's really something like you got like the president of the United States or you got the producer of the show or the lead star of the show that you're recording on, if you have that NFL quarterback that you are, it's your team, right? And that's your podcast. You might want to continue that interview and bring your system back up if possible, but there are consequences to doing that and just take it as it goes. But to get to the question that Steven originally said, keeping batteries that are maintained in your equipment, like the Zoom H6, and don't leave them sit there for months is probably the, it, yes, take them out after every month. Make sure you run them through a, a battery indicator to see if they're well-charged or not. And if they start to leak, at least you get it before it gets to the rest of the components. It's not that many batteries. I just replaced them myself. That's what I did. Uh, moving on from power, another way that you might want to protect your podcast setup is by ensuring you're not completely cheaping out on all of the things that are plugging into the podcast setup. For example, bad adapters that can ruin cables, can ruin equipment, SP. You had a couple of adapters that I remember you telling me that you threw across the room. Yeah, this, these little adapters, right? So these little 3.5 millimeter to quarter inch adapters or vice versa, or maybe they're the RCA jack adapters. Every once in a while, you'll just get in. They'll just go bad. Like the contacts go bad inside. Like the if you've never actually created your own electronic gear, there are these little minuscule little solders that keep these things going and if you twist if they're not very well made to begin with like if they're cheap or whatever and you twist them just right you bang on them too much microphones are the same way by the way don't handle them too rough you're going to break some of those contents and they're going to go bad and then if you have something like that go bad you might have a power spike through another cable or a, a higher audio spike or whatever and that might cause the other cable to go bad and yeah, that's happened to me. And you have to start all over and just get a new component all, all along the way. Now, in some cases you can buy just one higher quality caper cable without the adapter. In some cases you need to go to a higher quality adapter and cable in order to ensure that it continues working. All right. This next one here, I'll let SP go through, but I want to go ahead and introduce it because, uh, he, he got me believing this really early on in our pod relationship. That's a podcast relationship. It's a new word. Uh, and it's taking, taking a page from your grandma and remember that there's a place for everything and everything in its place. You know, uh, if you're going to go and invest, for example, in a good pair of headphones, you might want to spend the time to actually invest in a headphone hanger. And that's why I wanted to introduce this, because I'll go ahead and say it right now. My first head, true authentic headphone hanger that I got actually came from Stargate Pioneer. He surprised me. He mailed it to me. And, you know, I quickly realized how much better protected my headphones were. I had a makeshift solution before, but they would fall off all the time. And so uh, when I got this headphone hanger, it just changed my perspective on a lot of different things, including this whole there's a place for everything and everything in its place, because it really does help protect your investment. Right, SP? I've spent a lot of money on good studio monitoring headphones. The headphones that I'm wearing right now were $200 headphones. I got them on sale for $150, the Shure SRH 840s. And it's amazing how many people spend good money on headphones, whether it's $65, $70 for a Sony MDR 7506s, if you can get them on sale for that, or if it's $200 for these that I'm wearing now, or if it's more, believe it or not, they're headphones that cost like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars and it's amazing how many people spend that money and just leave them laying around you know people 
listen to these uh, audio files, listen to this stuff at work and they'll just throw it on their desk. Or maybe they'll be in the studio and they'll have the cords every which way so that you run over the cords as you move the chair around during the day. It's a recipe for disaster. You need to protect these things. Now, the particular headphone hangers that we have are made for desks with shelves on them. And you can get wall hangers. You can actually get headphone hanger or a headphone stand for your desk. As long as there's some place that you can put maybe a drawer with a dedicated space that you're not crimping the cords and you're leaving them out of the way so you're not running over them with a chair or stepping on them or something like that, you're going to save yourself a lot of money down the, 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 the road because honestly, you just don't want to have broken headphones. They break enough on their own. I mean, I've treated mine with kid gloves. The um, Audio-Technica ATH-M50X are probably the most beat up pair that I have. And that's because I've been taking them back and forth to work for years. I finally decided since I've got these Sure models, I'm going to use these on the podcast. I don't need to use the M50s except for when I travel. I'm just going to leave them at work. So finally, after years, <laughs> and this is just in the last couple of weeks, I've just been leaving them locked up in my desk at work. And that's good for them. but all the years something could have happened i could have dropped them on the way back and forth you know they could have fallen out of my bag into a puddle or something like that so you really have to protect these things now not only when it's on your desk but when you're taking it somewhere you need to keep it safe like i was just saying i was taking my headphones back and forth to work i had it in a case in a bag when i take it on trips with me. It's in a case in a special spot in my backpack. It actually has a special spot for headphones. So I keep it there. And that is one way to protect your gear. When I take mobile gear out to a convention, I've actually purchased a huge suitcase that's hard shelled. And I have made sure it's padded on the inside so I can take my six Sennheiser MD46s, my Zoom H6, with me and I don't have to worry about them getting banged up the camera equipment and everything else it's hard shelled like how many times have you seen, been in the airport right and you've seen luggage just getting thrown around and it's soft-sided and it might go into an edge somewhere or a stick somewhere or something like that that could crush your gear get a hard shell case if you have the amount of gear that I have if if you have hundreds of dollars and get, get yourself a protective case don't just throw it in a duffel bag and take it with you Yes, it might have like the sure uh, the Sennheiser MD46 microphones I have. They have individual hard cases. Okay, that that's fine. The Zoom H6 has a hard case, but there's other pieces of gear that don't, and I don't want to have them messed up just because of a baggage handler. Absolutely, but when it's not just physical handling, there are other things that you might potentially do to wreck your equipment. And we want to talk briefly about that. For example, let's say that you invest in those nice pair of headphones that SP just mentioned, and then you go and you crank up all of your audio and you blow them. You got to be careful about something like that because you can potentially blow your headphones, the little speakers within your headphones. It's also though important to consider how other accidents can happen. For example, you probably, if you're a good podcaster, drink something while you're recording. Sometimes if it's like SP and I, we have to drink some alcohol in order to get along with our co-host. But it might just be water for you. And we, we recommend that you kind of factor in the inevitable. And the inevitable is that you're probably going to knock it over at some point. So raise your equipment a little bit if you have it on the desk. We have both individually raised our equipment a little bit so that if something happens, the water will essentially go around the dam that we've built. Like I have this little swivel table that's about an inch and a half up. Well, if, it, if my water tips over, it's probably not going to raise up an inch and a half and it's going to go around my equipment. SP has a nice little rack mount um, system that he has with everything all in it. So this is worth considering because if you are drinking water, you don't want that to fall over, make a big mess and wreck your equipment. Yeah. Cables are another thing that you need to watch out for. If they're just laying on your desk, make sure that there's a way for water to get around or liquid to get around them without getting to the contact ends and make sure that there's no exposed cable. 
for liquid to get in as well. That's another thing to worry about. But beyond the liquid, though, there are other things that can happen. And one of the things, just over time in any environment, you're going to have dust. Dust is a major, major threat to your electronic equipment, especially your audio electronic equipment. Now, both Stephen and I have these huge flat top mixers. I actually think my surface area on my Mackie Pro FX16V2 is a lot more than your Zoom L12, and it's even more than your uh, Behringer 1622 was as well. I, every month at least, I will take one of those compressed air cans and I will spray it clean to try to get the dust off of there. And because like with the faders and with the holes for all the knobs, those are ways for dust to get inside the uh, mixer itself and get the get to the electronics. Over time, these little dust particles can actually settle in between the connections. It can actually corrode connections or it can short out connections. So dust over time is a major threat. And one of the ways that I have now started just in December, we didn't talk about it in the gear thing, I don't think. I bought a cover for my mixer and this was to protect it from dust and it was also to protect it from curious family members that come in and go look at all those knobs and steven i know this is a threat for you with your little kids and i don't blame them at all i mean if you're a little kid too and you see all this equipment that's in your dad's office you'd be like oh i wonder what this knob does right so first of all take a picture and make from time to time make sure all your settings are captured if you have actual analog settings on your equipment Second of all, cover it up when you're not there, because over time, that dust is going to make something go bad. And that segues nicely into our next category, which is protection of your time. And that is the thing that we wanted to mention. We actually had a listener specifically, and we might get to that in a minute, uh, mention taking pictures. And it's a very common practice, and it's something that SP and I regularly do, is when we make a change, take a picture. This is important so that if someone does come in and change it, you have that backup. But you also need to remember that if you're messing with equipment, you might mess up your settings too. And let's say you think to yourself, okay, I want to try making a change. I think it'll sound better. Well, take that picture first before you make the change because you might think of yourself as a kid when it goes horribly wrong and you, you go, why did you mess with that young Steven? And uh, then you at least have the pictures to go back on. Another thing that's worth considering is the possibility of backing up setups if you're using a digital platform. For example, the Zoom L12 has the possibility to save the settings, at least the digital ones, so not the analog knobs, but the actual digital ones, and you can save that to a project file so that you can go and recall a bunch of different settings if that's the way you want to go. Well, here's the thing is that those project files are essentially saved to the SD card. So it's a good idea that you try to save a copy of that project file so that if something happens and all of a sudden you need to be able to recall that project file later, you're not stuck going, oh, I just formatted my SD card or, oh, I can't find the old SD card or whatever it is. So it's a good idea to back up that digital file. And I actually just had this happen where I almost lost my L12 settings because I couldn't find my SD card. I, 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 I think I had another way to, to get it back. I, I believe I had it buried somewhere in an archive in an email, but I definitely um, am taking my advice better on this now and keeping a file with a date on it on my, on my hard drive in the better podcasting and the Guna Geek folders that I have on my hard drive so that if this ever happens again, it's there. <laughs> You could also duplicate an SD card, right? You could have a backup SD card just in case the original SD card is hosed or whatever. That could be a way to back up as well. Another thing that has been a pain in our backsides over the last year, year and a half, maybe two years, I forget when Windows 10 really came out, but it's the settings on your computer. If you make changes to the audio settings on your computer, if you've got different pathways or anything going on, you should probably take a screenshot of those settings because with every freaking Windows update, even if it's minor, it could change the settings or reset them back to factory or whatever. I mean, just before we recorded this podcast, I had a Windows update and I was like, 
uh, I don't know. And then we were having a little difficulties before we started recording. I said, Stephen, have you updated your computer lately? Because that maybe that's what one of the issues was. But what if he did update his computer and the issue was because of the update, not because he didn't update? Then you got to go back into all the settings and change everything again. And if I'm not mistaken, the biggest pain for you on that is XSplit, right? Yeah, there's a lot of settings that I've got in there. And so I definitely keep a backup of all of those files for that same reason. Now, we'll take this a step further. And if you are editing with a piece of software that supports presets of some form, this could be Audition, this could be uh, Vegas, this could even be, to a certain level, the effects that you have within Audacity. It's important to really back those up as well to protect your time. Because you've probably spent a lot of time curating all of these presets or these plugins. And if all of a sudden those are wiped out, don't you want to have that backup somewhere? That's backing up and protecting your editing workflow. And, you know, it's it really sucks trying to go, oh, how much dB did I have on this frequency of SP's voice with the EQ? How much compression did I have? You know, you spend a lot of time finessing your podcast. And so this is definitely something that you should back up the digital platform that you've got to. Totally agree. Another thing that we're going to go into is protecting your health. Now, we did a whole episode about staying healthy and podcasting, staying healthy to podcast. We're going to talk about something specifically here because we're talking about protecting your equipment. And I'm going to talk about microphones. Do you share your microphone? Do you interview guests in person like you have one microphone that you pack back and forth or maybe you have a couple microphones and you never know which one is yours. You don't have them labeled and what is your guest microphone? I mean, do you throw your microphones in a case and just take them out every time you record just with your own co-host so you don't know who's doing what? And for your audio listeners, Stephen did something that was incredibly gross. He just licked his Blue Encore 100 and he actually licked it. Oh my gosh, dude. I don't know how many, oh, I don't know if that's been in your kid's mouth, dude. Ugh. Anyway, odds are that the internal shock mount foam, every microphone has foam inside to help shock mount the actual diaphragm itself, as well as provide some sort of pop filter for plosives. That is a spit germ factory. You spit when you talk, even if you don't think you do. There's some spit that comes out of your mouth, and if you're talking into a microphone, it's going right in there. So I'm saying you need to have a microphone cleaning kit if you don't already, or some way to disinfect your microphone. Now, I got this microphone cleaning kit a couple of years ago when I actually had to rebuild a microphone, and I was like, uh, that's kind of gross on the inside because I saw what the foam filter was on the inside. It was a, a smoker had the microphone before, but it just enlightened me to what was going on with that microphone. So in this kit, which has its own little bag, and I keep it up with my handheld dynamic microphones that I have in my hutch in front of me, which includes my blue Encore 100 and my Sennheiser E935. So there's this foam cleaning and deodorizer thing here, which is great to use on the microphone and the foam. And I also have, it comes with a toothbrush, which you can actually use a normal toothbrush. This is medium strength on the bristles and you can clean the grill of your microphone off with it or any metal parts of it. And then there's a little scratch pad, which is really, it, it's not all that bad. It's, it's not like a, a dish scratch pad. It's a lot more softer than that, but it's still a scratch pad. So it's not going to scuff up your microphone, but if it has something on it, at least you can scrub it off. And then just a soft Terry cloth uh, for just wiping it off and clean. Having this kit available, I go into my microphone about once a month now, and I just make sure it's clean. I get all the dust off of it. I make sure that it's sanitized so that if somebody else is using the microphone, or e even if I'm using the mic, I don't get sick off of my own cold a month later. That happens, by the way. So it is now cold and flu season as we're recording this. I have no idea, listener, when you're actually listening to this. It could be in the start. It doesn't matter. Clean your microphone about once a month because you're going to need it. And it doesn't have to be a deep clean, but definitely once a month. It, it'll add up over time 
But see, that that's my health program, SP, is, is you know, I'm, I like to get that cold and flu and whatnot. So then, you know, you get sick three days before Christmas and you actually lose 10 pounds over Christmas. That's my weight loss plan. I did lose about five pounds <laughs> <laughs> since I bet had a cold for the past two weeks here. Also, the foam windscreen that you put over your microphone, I don't actually have a foam windscreen over this microphone right now, but we have used foam windscreen for our microphones and the pop filters. If you clean those, as I just hit it, if you clean those, it will go a long way. And while we're at it, let's talk about the internal microphone foam. And yes, you can take your microphone apart and get that microphone out. And I will say after a couple of years, I would say about five years, you got to start thinking about reconditioning that thing. You can do it on your own. You can actually send it out if it's a really expensive, like an RE20 or a Shure SM7B or something like that. You can send it out to get reconditioned. I will warn you, after personally doing it, getting the new foam back into the microphone and having it nestle the capsule in just the right way is going to be difficult for you. It's never going to go in 100%. I mean, as try as you might, it's just going to be difficult. So if you go to somebody that does it for their living or that they're experienced with it or whatever, then getting that new foam, because that's part of microphone conditioning, because that foam will just degrade over time. I would say somewhere between the five and the 10 year mark, that microphone's not going to be usable because the phone's just going to start degrading on the inside. You can recondition it on your own. It just, it's... It, it's a pain. So if you want to send it out, that's fine. Or, or budget in to buy a new microphone. And that way you'll get an all new, you don't have to worry about sound degrading. You don't have to worry about the foam getting in there wrong. And it will be something that you can do. So those are just some suggestions there. The bottom line though, is you got to treat this microphone like it was an eating utensil and you got to clean it off about once a month. And the last thing that we're going to mention in, to, in regards to this is to do with the health category as well. And it's important to remember that if you are in person and you're doing podcasts with everybody, you should probably be respectful. And if you are sick, you might want to let your co-hosts know so that you're not all getting into the same confined space and making each other sick because, it's, you know, you're just going to be off for weeks and weeks and weeks. So maybe try to be flexible Protect your podcast investment by being sensible and knowing that SP is sick and he's going to transmit that germs over to the internet to me. Not by licking my microphone like <laughs> you do, though. For sure. So if you have a tip about how you protect your podcast investment, please let us know through any of the ways. You can go ahead and email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can go ahead and tweet us at betterpod or head on over to www dot betterpodcasting.com and let us know there welcome to this week's better podcasting download osp you should start your own podcasting newsletter because you always find the fun stuff to talk about this isn't the stuff that we just see okay maybe this one here we actually did have blasted everywhere but go ahead this was from the podcastbusinessjournal.com, and it was written by Alex Exum. For those of you that listen to the Spreaker Live show, this is the guy that co-hosts with Rob Greenlee, and he does a lot of other podcasts, uh, podcasts professionally, and I am not going to take anything away from Alex Exum, but he wrote this article titled, The Biggest Problem Podcasters Have and how to fix it. And just remember, Alex is coming at this from a business perspective. And that's what we're going to talk about right here. So I'm going to read some excerpts from the article, and then we're going to talk about it. So the article starts, quote, notice the theme here, CBS, TBS, LA Times, Washington Post, MSNBC. All the new number one shows are produced by big entertainment companies. How can the little guy compete with the big players like Oprah, Dr. Phil, and Rachel McCow? throwing or Matt Maddow, excuse me, throwing their name, advertising and marketing dollars at their show. The short answer is the little guy can't individual podcasters simply can't or won't invest as much time and money in their podcasts as these shows. The big boys have a marketing department, salespeople and connections. They have established brands with an outlet to market directly to their audience. 
Most have a famous celebrity host who already has a large following. The number one question from new podcasters is, how do I get more listeners? The short answer is, you need to have money or you need to spend money. 90% of podcasters fail because they don't invest in themselves. Sure, they brought a microphone, audio hosting, and put up a website. Welcome to the wild world of 90% of podcasters. Here's some questions. How many podcast ad campaigns have you run? How many Twitter ad campaigns have you run? How many Instagram ad campaigns have you run? Have you printed any real world marketing materials, business cards, flyers, posters? Did you buy a professional show logo? Do you have a press release or one sheet about the show? Did you contact local media requesting to be featured or interviewed in their newspaper, magazine, blog, etc.? Is your website properly designed to get listeners to subscribe to your show? How many books on podcasting and radio have you read? Have you taken any training to become a skilled presenter? Did you submit your show to all the platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc.? Did you launch? Was there pre-launch buzz or did you quietly upload your shows? You want to make money, but have you figured out how to monetize something you are giving away from free? Wow. Wow. Okay. Lots of references in the article following this to buying ad campaigns, to buying ads, to buying some support or services to help publish and promote your show. See, we're going to go into this and we both have probably very similar uh, viewpoints on this. You're talking to hobby podcasters. You don't need to spend money, but you need to have the correct expectations though. I mean, you're not going to have millions of downloads. You might eventually, if you have a good content and good product, but you're not going to have that out of the gate. And Alex, I, I don't know. I, I think he's just thinking podcasting has to be a business and, and, and I don't think it does. Well, this is on the podcast business journal, so we need to go ahead and remember that first. Um, but the thing is, I think a lot, there's a good intention in the message here, in my opinion. And the intention is that you can't launch a podcast and sit back and do nothing and expect it to grow. If I was to take away one message from, from this, it would be that. And I would agree with that. I, I think that anybody who just launches the posts that I see, okay, I'll just go ahead and get a little ranty. The posts that I see where people go, I launched, why don't I have downloads yet? Is that person. That's the person that's launching, expecting magic to happen. No, we've talked about it before. Podcasting takes time and energy. And I think that that's the takeaway from here. The, the surface takeaway from here is that you have to invest in your show through a variety of different ways. Now, is it running all of these things that make you buy things? No, it's not always that. The thing that I, I think is important to remember is, is that whether it is a business podcast or a hobby podcast, there are different niches within the spectrum of podcasting. And some of those are going to require a lot more effort and a lot more money and a lot more energy into advertising than others. If you ta are talking about your geek or your tech or whatever shows where the mar market is saturated, absolutely, if you want to break into that, you're going to have to spend some form of investment, whether it's your time or money, in the marketing strategy for that podcast. However, if you are in a very niche circumstance that there isn't a lot of competition, sometimes all you need is a couple good relationships to help grow that. Maybe you're partnering with a, a company that is big within that space that has a following and you're somehow leveraging off of them. Well, then you might not need to spend all of the money investing. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can grow your audience without buying Facebook ad campaigns, Twitter ad campaigns, Instagram ad campaigns. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can market your show without having to do this. So that's sort of my take on it. And I think it completely disregards the whole hobby podcaster in this as well. But again, it's on the podcast business journal. It's that's fair enough. One thing that I remember hearing in several different outlets is how much it costs to gain one listener. You know, what's the cost per listener or subscriber? Basically, what's the cost per subscriber? I've heard anywhere from like two bucks to eight bucks a subscriber. If you do it right, 
So you're advertising to places that will get listens and will get subscribers. That's a lot of money for a hobby. I think that's a lot of money for a, a actual professional podcast, but I think that's a lot of money for a hobby podcast for sure. But it can be done. I will disagree with his statement here. He says, basically, how are you? How's the little guy going to compete? And he says, the short answer is the little guy can't. I think that is relatively true. However, if you put enough time and effort into it, I think you can. And I think if you have the correct product, maybe something that's unique, something that isn't done a hundred times over, I think you can expect a lot more. This comes back again to expectations. I think you can expect more downloads. Like the average geek podcast about anything, you might top out without a celebrity on board. You might top out somewhere in the 500 to to 2000 downloads per episode range. Just spitball in there. I think if you have something that's unique, you can jump up to that five to 20,000 download per episode. And once you get there, then you have to start spending some money, some promotion. You might have to get a, a promoter on board, but you have that flexibility because you are in the area where you can make money with your podcast at that point. Not a lot, but enough that you can start investing a little bit in your show. But I think it's possible. I I don't think it's a non-starter. I think it's possible. And like you were saying, you need to do stuff on your, you need to create those relationships. You need to do the things that you can at your level. And all the while, by the way, you need to get your content better or you need to make your presentation better. You need to make your production better so that maybe you started out with a TV podcast or a podcast on a TV show. But eventually you have this great idea for a podcast that nobody else has done and you think will get a lot of listens. You need to ramp up in your education to get to the point where you can produce that as a big studio would in order to get those same expectations. So it's a little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of creating good content or learning how to create good content. And it's a lot of time that you have to throw into the non-podcasting part of the business. So let us know what your take is on this. You can go ahead and reach us through any of the ways we previously mentioned, including going to betterpodcasting.com slash 164. That's 164 like the episode. Hey, Steven, I'm feeling a rant coming on from you. I don't know where it's coming from. I'm feeling a rant. I, I just bubbling up here. It's almost like we had that in our intro. Uh, I got to do this. I, I didn't want to start off my year so early on doing this, but I had enough. I had enough SP. So there are a lot of Facebook groups, and I know you wouldn't know this because you're not on Facebook, but there's a lot of Facebook groups to do with podcasting. And there is one that I'm just going to go ahead and call out right now. Uh, it's called the Podcasters Support Group. And I was in this. I joined this last year when somebody sent me a link of something and I think it was really early last year, maybe even late 2017, that I joined this. And it was very different than a lot of the other ones that I was in. Because essentially, it's too full. That's my problem with this group. There's too many people in the group and not enough moderation for the people that are in the group. So what ended up happening in the podcaster support group was that you essentially had the same posts over and over and over. And a lot of them was more than just the same question that we've talked about before that you often get in podcast groups. There was a lot that were the same type of spam. We had this mentioned last week in the Better Pod back. And what it was was things like, hey, look, I hit 50 downloads. What do you think? I'm sorry, that's spam. Or, hey, what do you think of X? Please listen to my show. (laughs) Or you have somebody going, oh, I'm thinking about mulling over my artwork. I've got it down to these four designs. Which of these four do you like? And then three days later, I got it down to four new designs. Which do you like? They're, They're just spamming at this point here. And there is also Facebook Lives and other things that were clearly outlined as do not do. But they were there, and they were there long enough that you would see them. 
It's one thing if you have a big enough group that you have a big enough moderation team that can get in and moderate it on, on the drop of a hat because then people don't see it as much. But when it's sitting there for 24 to 48 hours before it's being pruned, it's now part of the group. And when you're so active, it's going to come up. And quite honestly, it's the most aggravating podcast group. No, scratch that Facebook group that I have ever been in because there was so much stuff that I literally felt myself. And this is not an exaggeration. I felt myself getting physically irritated with the repetitive spam, the repetitive nature of the questions, people not searching. And I tried so hard to be passive aggressive in there. And I would just do a search and I'd copy it and I'd paste it in as the response to show this has been asked a thousand other times. And there was just so much of this repetitive stuff going on with a lack of concrete moderation that I was feeling physically agitated seeing this stuff happening. And so I thought to myself, why are you doing this? Okay, occasionally there's something worthwhile in there that you're trying to help with. There's so much bad advice too in there when you have that many people. I don't cannot count how many people would be like, someone, so, okay, here's an example of this. I'm gonna go, I'm looking to travel and have a couple of hosts together in a noisy environment. What do you recommend? I recommend an RE320. No, RE320 is bad for a noisy environment. There's a lot of other, other things that are better than that. People just didn't even read. They would just post their favorite microphone or, you know, other situations where people were clearly just disregarding the question being asked. And so I was trying to stay in it so that I could give that good advice. And I had people who did reach out to me over my course in that group of, of saying they appreciated what I would, I had said to them, but it was just so, so frustrating how much activity was going through that group that I decided to leave it this last couple of weeks ago. And so I, I feel good about my decision to do it. Uh, like I said, I'm actually specifically calling out the group because I honestly don't see a lot of value in the group because of the fact that it has so much stuff going on. And I, I don't often call out groups, but this is one that I, I don't recommend people go into because there's too many people. One's like the podcasters hang out a far, far better group because it's better moderated and it is a, a very, it's a slower paced group and it makes a difference. There were so many podcast posts that were the same posted within the same day, like when the Roadcaster Pro came out. I lost track of how many posts there were in there. So if you're going to start a new group, this is why I want to mention it today. If you're going to start a new group or a community, make sure that you are moderating that and make sure that you're setting the expectations and following through with that so that people can definitely appreciate that. And if you're participating in one of these groups, my advice to you is while your achievements are super fun, they can come off as spammy if you're just sitting there celebrating and tooting your own horn. Reach out to your podcast buddies instead, the people that you know within the podcast community, because really the achievement posts are just spam for most of the people on there. So a couple of things. First of all, I also have a pet peeve about the people that post about reaching X amount of downloads, whether it's total downloads or downloads per episode. Most of the time it's total downloads. And then on Reddit, there are 40, 80, 200 likes. I'm like, whoa, well, no posts on the podcasting subreddits gets that many likes. What's going on? My only thought there is that there is some group somewhere that they're a part of. And John Lee Dumas's podcast, Paradise, actually was known for this a couple of years ago. I don't know if they're doing it now. I'm just calling it out because I know it was part of how they were marketing their own podcast. And this was a podcasters group that was dedicated to like the entrepreneurial podcast. So they would all go in together. They would do review swaps and then they would post in Facebook groups. So, Oh wow, we're getting so many downloads. And you're like, wow, well, what I, how did you get 2 million downloads in two months? Yeah. What is going on there? And some of it was that they were scamming the system, but they were putting it on there and then we get all these great comments on their posts. And I'm like, ah, I don't get it. And that was one of the things about Facebook that I didn't enjoy while I was on there was these spams. But this is starting on Reddit, too. And I'm like, 
why is this even being allowed? It needs to be moderated out when it's obvious it is just self-promotion going on. So I am agreeing with you there. Now, I am going to give a little alternative here. And the way that Facebook runs, it is not a forum. It is a Facebook group. And these messages are not there forever. They're there for a day. And then they go away into the ether. Yes, you can search, but nobody ever does that on Facebook. And nobody apparently does that on Reddit either. It's kind of <laughs> annoying. I mean, people on Reddit, I, I can only speak to Reddit because I'm not on Facebook. People on Reddit, the podcast gurus on Reddit, what they will do is they will either have block actual text ready to go. And I do, for for example, with podcast hosting, I actually have a blog post ready to go because somebody will say something and be like, well, I can't just say use Lipson or Podbean. I have to say why. So I, there's this blog post. Another thing that people do is they will link articles that they have created on their websites. This is, a, 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 yeah, I, I don't like that so much because you're taking the person out of Reddit, but you are not having to copy and paste like I am. So there's pros and cons to, to both ways. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree there. But Facebook and Reddit, for lack of, of, of a better comparison, they're a one-day social media. If you want a more sustained place, go to a forum. And we actually have one available, thepodcastersforum.com, where you can go and you can actually search that. And you can actually look at... Uh, what has been posted already, and you can add to the conversation. And the conversation are in threads. They're not in just posts of somebody saying, okay, what's going on here? What's going on there? And it's moderated. But with Facebook and Reddit, it's just the nature of social media. And if it's bugging you, yeah, you did the right thing in leaving because it's not going to do any good for you to get upset about seeing the, what microphone should I use again today and then tomorrow? I was so irritated. Like I was feeling so physically agitated. I, I I had to I had to get out. I had to get out. So I've been there. I've I've left groups before. You know, I you've counseled me to leave. So I'm glad you did the same thing. So there you go. That's my little rant for our better pod back today. So there's there's my advice on pod back. But we actually had some actual listener better pod back this week, didn't we, SP? We did. Uh, we had somebody that hacked into our Twitter account and asked the question, what measures do you take to protect your podcast equipment slash setup? We had some great responses. One was from at Win Kelly Charles, and she said, Apple earphone. Not exactly sure what that means. I'm protecting the equipment, but she's obviously using the Apple earphone to protect. I don't know, maybe her ears. You think I was thinking that it was maybe a backup. That's what I was thinking was maybe oh. it, was, it was as a backup. That's the way I interpreted that. So yeah, I could see that. Okay. At David Hopper said, I take a photo of the settings in the event. Somebody like me accidentally switches them up. So David Hopper does the same thing that we do and takes a picture of their settings. We also had the Daddy-O podcast. I mean, Daddy-O podcast, Ryan. That's, that's an, it's a Gunna Geek Network joke that you'll see in the uh, Gunna Geek Discord servers. There you go. That's that example of that inside joke you shouldn't use. Uh, we had Ryan from the Daddy-O podcast say, Furman surge protectors. And absolutely, it's great. I think, um, I'm, I think he's talking about power conditioners, if I remember correctly, because Furman is a big brand of power conditioners. I think it is a power conditioner versus it, but it, I think he might also have surge protector in life. And that's a debate whether you have a pod, uh, surge protector or a power conditioner. Some people do have both, but some people say, uh, do one or the other. So you look into that a little bit more on your own and, and it's going to have to be a personal decision that's because like, I know that's like the battery backup versus power conditioner thing that is, that in itself is, is a whole debate. We also had the Zachary Webb say, I am careful with them to keep them lasting longer and put them away in a drawer when not in use. And that's a great thing to do with like headphones, right? When you're not using them, put them in a drawer that kind of protects them. And if you roll up the cord so it doesn't get caught in the drawer mechanisms, I think that would be great too. So great responses from everybody. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming out in the new year and telling us how you protect your podcast equipment. Listener, if you have a way that you have protected your podcast equipment, we have not talked about it, please 
let us know. You can tweet us at BetterPod. You can email us podcast at betterpodcasting.com or you can go into our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord and join the chat in the Better Podcasting channel. Awesome. So there you go. That's going to go ahead and wrap it up for another episode of Better Podcasting. So for episode 164 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying if you haven't checked it out, check out the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. And I'm SP saying have fun podcasting in 2019 and let us know how you're doing, especially with those goals. See you next time. Bye. Toodles. Thank you for listening to another episode of Better Podcasting. We want to hear from you. You can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review in iTunes. We encourage you to check out all of the other geeky podcasts available at gunnageeknetwork.com. This has been a Gunna Geek production. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>